Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Tudor as we talk to you about college football, the MLB, NBA free agency, and of course, our signature segments, your weekly turtle tab, Mike's stupid rules, and write that down predictions here on episode 138. Continuing with our continuation of talking about the changes to college football rules, we have three other changes regarding apparel. And I'm talking apparel. I'm not talking about H&M or JCPenney's RIP the latter, but apparel of players, coaches, and officials on the field. As I've stated in previous episodes, these rule changes affect basically no one and nobody really cares about them, but they are a change. So that's kind of interesting. First one regarding players is a recent change was made that required a player's jersey to be tucked in if it was longer than his waist. So either the jersey could be untucked if it was cut at the waist or it had to be tucked in if it was below the waist. The change here is that the t-shirt underneath the jersey must follow the same rule. If it's super long, they can't just have it out flowing underneath, underneath it. For coaches, they are now allowed to wear a microphone uh, during the game as long as it's only used for the school's production uh, and it's also not used until the end of the live broadcast. So maybe we'll see some interesting Matt Campbell mic'd up moments from. Uh, Would you love to see him mapped up in the uh, mic'd up in the Big 12 title game during that non-offsides call? I mean, that would be awesome, but I feel like Iowa State wouldn't actually release it because. I mean, you're right, but still kind of fun to think about. I agree. The final change was actually for officials, uh, stating that O to O or official communications are permitted even though they're used those little earpiece microphone things that officials use uh, apparently that wasn't in the rule book that it was allowed so that is now officially allowed even though it was already allowed so there's your minor college football rule changes for you uh boom there you go interesting so i mean this is all just a continuation of trying to ban that ezekiel elliott crop top jersey right yeah annoying and should be banned like your football player like Cover your dang stomach while you're playing football. Not that high. Not that high. If you don't want to cover your stomach, go be like a beach volleyball player. Do that. Yeah. Do that. Um, Well, on that topic, we are getting really, really close to the start of Cyclone football season. We are just 25 days away from the start of Cyclone football season, y'all. 25 days from today will be kickoff against the UNI Panthers at Jack Trice Stadium in a game that if Iowa State loses, I'm going to be very, 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 very upset. You can't lose that game. Not with the expectations that this team has. And those expectations got raised again today when the uh, preseason coaches poll came out and ranked Iowa State eighth. Eighth. Think about that. That is the eighth best team in the nation. Uh, for a long time, uh, the Cyclones weren't a top eight team in the conference in the preseason poll. Now they're a top eight team in the nation. Expectation. Well, well, wait, hold up, Mike. I have to clarify that they might have been a top eight team back in the Big Eight. <laughs> and there were some good years under like Seneca Wallace and stuff like that where they were respectable too. Um, but yes, top eight in the nation. Um this team is a legitimate Big 12 title contender, a legitimate national title contender. That's not just us. 
right? This proves that that's not just us blowing steam because we're Iowa State fans and we want to generate those clicks, right? This is legit. It proves everything we've been saying since the Fiesta Bowl last year is legit, that this team has high expectations and has the potential to be very, very good. Will they be very, very good? Let's see what plays out on the field. But this team has the potential to be the best team in Iowa State history. And it's not particular. It could They could blow away the best uh, team in Iowa State history. I think they've got the potential to be a top 10 offense in all of football this year. I mean, Brees Hall is one of the top running backs. Brock Purdy's a top 20 quarterback. Charlie Kohler and Chase Allen are both probably top 10 tight ends. The offensive line is going to be really good. The wide receivers will be solid. Yeah, I mean, the offensive line could be a top 10 unit in all of football, too, like as a whole. Yeah, I mean, and that's not even mentioning the fact that we've got a great defense as well. Like this, this team is actually really, really good. And I am really, really excited for what this game, what this season is going to hold. I've never been so excited about a sports season before it starts in my life, I think. What do you think, Kyle? Have you ever been more excited about a sports season before it starts than you are for this Iowa State football season? I mean, I was super excited going into the initial era of Matt Campbell that first season, but we didn't have expectations. There was just pure excitement that something new was happening. Uh, But I think here it's more so, you know, the newness has worn off, right? Matt Campbell's been here. We've done a few things. Have we gotten to where he claims we he wants to get us? Not quite, but we did get to a Big 12 championship game already. And I think now there's kind of an expectation to, with the team that we have, the returning players, the level of talent, you know, there there is kind of an expectation that we'll be back there again this year. Is it the expectation of, oh, we're Texas. We think we should win every single year because we're Texas and now we're moving to the SEC. You know what? Hey, you can do whatever you want. You can think what you want, Texas. But once you actually put a production on the field, then come talk to us. No, there is there is some proven history in the by history. I mean, the past two, three seasons. Uh, So but there's excitement, right? It's building. Everyone's excited. I'm sure Jack Trice is going to be absolutely raucous uh, in that you and I game because fans are going to absolutely pack out the Jack. So it the season should hopefully start off with a bang. And I think if if there I don't even want to talk about it, because if there is a loss, you know, there is going to be some major, major, you know, question marks as to how can we have all of this national recognition, but then we used lose to Northern Iowa to start the year. So you win that first game for sure. Win that first game, move on to Iowa, climb another mountain. Yep, exactly. And keep in mind, I just looked at, I just saw this today. Keep in mind that Iowa plays a top 15 Indiana team in week one. Right. So Iowa's going to have to battle in week one before they come to Ames in week two for the Cyhawk. Not saying you and I is going to be a pushover, but if this team is as good as we think they are, you should have a much easier time with you and I than Iowa has with Indiana. And you might even you might even get to see some Hunter Deckers where Iowa probably won't be throwing their second string quarterback out on the field barring injury. Yeah. Like, I'm legit excited. Wyatt, have you ever been more excited about 
the start of a sports season, not necessarily cycling football season, but a sports season before it started than this one? This is definitely the top. I'm so excited. I'm not even thinking about the possibility of losing. However, you and I is, is a very good team, but no way. Absolutely I'm, no way. I'm, I, yeah, I'm still concerned. We lose too many openers for me not to be concerned about losing to you and I. Matt Campbell is what, like one in four in openers in five years, two and three, something like that. So it, it makes me nervous. It makes me very, very nervous. But hopefully they'll take care of business and I can just calm down, relax, and get ready for that Cyhawk game. That would be ideal. That's going to be fun. That's going to be a fun ball game. But before we get that, we still got like a month, just under a month. And you got baseball to get you through that month. Um, and the playoff races are starting to heat up. Um, first news on in the injury front, uh, Fernando Tatis avoided a major injury. He's not going to require surgery, so he is expected back sometime for San Diego, which is very good because they're in a very tight race um, in the NL West division there. Um, the not Giants just the NL, Not just the NL West. They're in a tight race potentially for the NL wild card as well with the Cincinnati Reds who are scorching hot. Uh, nipping at their heels in in that wild card race. Yep, the Reds are only three and a half games behind San Diego for the fourth oops, for the fourth wild card spot for the second wild card spot. Um, well, San Diego is still trailing the Dodgers and the Giants in that West Division. Um, elsewhere across the National League, um, the Brewers and Reds are starting to put some distance on everybody else. In the NL Central, the Cardinals are still just sort of chilling around 500 while the Brewers and Reds take off. So that's sort of turning into a two-team race there in the NL Central. And in the NL East, the Mets are absolutely falling apart. The Mets um, are now just one game above 500 as they've only won two out of their last 10, which has been coupled by Atlanta winning seven out of 10 and Philadelphia winning eight out of 10 who both passed the Mets and the Phillies are now in first place um, by two games in the NL East. So there's been a big shakeup over there. Um, in the American League, um, Oakland has made up a lot of ground here against Houston as Houston scuffled this last week, including losing three out of four to the Twins at home. That's embarrassing. The Twins are bad. And you just lost three out of four to the Twins at home. Um, so Oakland is starting to catch up on them. And Seattle is not dead Seattle and the Angels are not dead in these uh, playoff races, especially for the wild card. Seattle's only five and a half games out of that second wild card right now. So Seattle, like we said, they were weird buyers, sellers at the deadline, a mix, but they're still in it. They're, they're certainly not buried if they keep playing good ball. Um, the AL Central is over. Um, Chicago's got a 10 and a half game lead over Cleveland. Um, in second place, Cleveland is actually closer to last place than they are first place right now, despite being in second. So that division is just over. Um, we're not going to talk about that much. The AL East, though, um, is a lot like the NL East, where things have been changing quickly. Boston has uh, fell apart. They've been two and eight in the last 10 and have slipped down to second place, whereas Tampa, New York and Toronto have all won eight out of their last 10 to make up just a ton of ground on Boston. Uh, Tampa Bay is leading that division now um, with Boston four games back, the Yankees six and Toronto seven. So those three, those four teams are all pretty stacked up and that'll be a fun race um, down the stretch. 
We will, of course, keep you updated on all of these races going forward on the 8311 cast. But for now, just keep watching baseball. Keep enjoying it. There's a lot of fun things happening on the baseball field right now, just like there always are. So keep an eye on how uh, teams keep trending after the trade deadline and uh, see what happens. Well, speaking of trending on the diamond, we're talking trending in NBA free agency. uh, And some of the some stars are continue or either staying where they're at or obviously they're moving on Uh, Two big names are ending up staying in place. Uh, One of those earlier this uh, or late last week, actually, Luka Doncic uh, received a max rookie contract extension. Uh, from the Dallas Mavericks, which will link in them, uh, him to Dallas for the next five years, uh, which is he's he's obviously their cornerstone and their centerpiece. So the two players, uh, if you think back to last week's episode, Trey Young got his max rookie contract extension. The two players that were swapped uh, in that draft class for each other. Uh, between the Atlanta Hawks and the Dallas Mavericks, both have turned into key cornerstone pieces for that those the those representative franchises, and they have both turned in that into big money deals as well. Uh, also, in other news, the Brooklyn Nets are losing Spencer Dinwiddie in a sign and trade with the Washington Wizards. They are, however, reportedly working on a contract extension with Kevin Durant to keep him in Brooklyn. Obviously, that roster is going to be pretty top-heavy with Durant, uh, Kyrie Irving, as well as James Harden. So they're going to have to fill in a couple uh, pieces here and there in order to make that really work. They've signed a couple guys to one-year deals, and they got Patty Mills as a backup uh, point guard, so to speak, kind of to fill in really fill in for when Kyrie Irving and James Harden are uh, honestly going to go down with injuries for that team. Uh, So he will be there to pick up the slack in their absence. Uh, The elsewhere in the Eastern conference, the New York Knicks go out and get Kemba Walker on a one-year deal uh, after his buyout with Oklahoma city. That I thought was kind of an interesting deal as they had already given pretty big money to Derek Rose to keep him in a Knicks uniform uh, so that, that was a move that, uh, shocked me a little bit, you know, where are, where, where are they going to play two point guards? Who's going to handle the ball, but they'll have to figure that out. They also add Evan Fournier, uh, who played, who is a shooting guard. He was in Boston, was traded to Boston actually last season, uh, sign, ends up signing a four year deal with the New York Knicks. Uh, also in other news going out West. I already had mentioned two stars, the other big name in NBA free agency after turning down his player option, Kawhi Leonard has reportedly agreed to a deal to stay with the Clippers. That deal, uh, none of the details of that contract have actually come out yet. It has just uh, been reported that they're apparently agreed to keep him there in uh, LA for the time being. So We'll see who they surround him with and see if he's able to uh, surmount that mountain of the Lakers out there and the Suns as well in order to get to another NBA championship. Yeah, NBA free agency is always exciting. I feel like this year of NBA free agency was less exciting than most. Does anybody else feel that? I don't feel there was quite as much hype. No, I mean, there were kind of some bigger names that, you know, kind of stayed put. 
really. There weren't any huge, really big trades or really big deals uh, for players to go elsewhere. Chris Paul stayed, Kevin Durant staying, uh, Trey Young, Luka Doncic. The only real big deal was Russell Westbrook headed to uh, the Lakers to uh, join up with LeBron. So there wasn't a whole lot of movement this year, kind of a few like little small deals here and there to get round out some rosters, but really not that much excitement, honestly. Yeah. It has been a less exciting NBA free agency than normal. Um, but you know, what's always exciting, Kyle. What? I think, you know, the answer to this question. You just don't well, want to say it. Is it, is it baseball savior it is. It is baseball savior Will and Studio, who is always entertaining. Um, his play on the field has not been um, super entertaining this last week. He only played in three games, had a hit in three games. But he did get in a pregame argument with the Astros mascot before uh, Sunday's ball game. Um, that was a little entertaining. It was an it was an argument in jest. It wasn't like a Tommy Lasorda Philly fanatic argument where they were actually mad at each other. But yes, him and the mascot before Sunday's game were definitely uh, going after each other in jest. So that was that was some entertainment from Will and Zastadio. Um, but in, on the field, he continues to be respectable, but not spectacular, just like you'd expect from Will and Zastadio, because that's what baseball needs. Baseball doesn't need the spectacular to save it. It needs people who do the ordinary things well. That's what baseball needs to save it, in my opinion. That's why he's baseball's savior. Willens Astadia. Um, moving on to something also super interesting this week. Um, this piqued my interest when I uh, when I saw it on my uh, newsfeed. I came up. It was uh, an article about a Bach called on the catcher. And I was like, no, you can't call a Bach on the catcher. And I looked it up and I'm right. No, you cannot call a Bach on the catcher. That article was mostly wrong. They were right on the result that the runners advanced one base, but you can't call a Bach on the catcher. So going back, here's what happened. Um, it was the Giants catcher. I don't remember his name, but basically with runners on first and second, um, there was a, a slider in the dirt and he blocks it and it starts to roll away from him and he takes off his mask and he uses his mask to stop the ball from rolling away. Now, this is actually a violation. Um, it is under rule 5.06 part B3E. 5.06 part B3E. Um, a runner, oh sorry, a fielder deliberately touches a pitched ball with his cap, mask, or any part of his uniform detached from its proper place. Um, the in that case, um, the let me sorry, um, each runner other than the batter may, without liability, be put out, advance one base when, um, like I just said, when the catcher or when a fielder deliberately touches a pitched ball with his cap mask or any part of his uniform detached from its proper position. So since he took his mask off and used it to stop the ball rolling, um, that has the sort of the same result as a Bach. All the runners are allowed to advance one base without liability to be put out. Now, a couple things here, um, not necessarily about that play. That's pretty straightforward. It's weird, but it's the rules. It's pretty black and white. A um, couple interesting things. So when 
in a situation like that, when the runners have the ability to advance without the liability to put out, it doesn't mean they can't necessarily advance more. So for example, if while he was trying to stop that ball with his mask, he accidentally knocked it away and that runner could find a way to get two bases, that would be allowed, but he would get the first without the liability to be put out. Um, the other um, thing that this brought up is um, what are some of the other things you can't do with um, detached equipment, right? Um, so other things, for example, um, you think about fielders, right? What if I want to throw my glove at the ball, right, to stop it? Well, according to rule 506, 5.06, 4B, um, each runner, including the batter runner, without liability to be put out, may advance three bases if the fielder deliberately touches a fair ball um, with a cap, mask, or any part of his uniform detached from his proper place. So basically, it's, it's one base for a pitched ball, two bases for a um, thrown ball, and three bases for a live ball, right? So if you basically illegally touch the ball with equipment, if it's a pitched ball, it's worth one base, a thrown ball, two bases, and a batted ball, three bases. If you touch um, it illegally with the equipment, or if you deliberately throw your glove and touches a fair ball, again, it's three bases, but that ball is still in play. And that batter could go for home in a weird situation where you like threw your glove at it and then like didn't run after it and you just let it sit there. Yeah, you could still get four. Um, so yeah, basically don't do stuff with the equipment that the equipment is not designed for. That's a violation and will result in extra bases for your opponent. It is not a balk though. If you read something that that was a balk, it's not a balk. Only the pitcher can balk, not a balk. It's not a balk. Questions? Wyatt nods, Kyle shakes his head. I don't know if Wyatt's nodding meant, yeah, that was a good rule. Or yes, I have lots of questions. No, that was a good rule. I do not have any questions, though. It does make sense. The article writers should uh, have a little more responsibility to quote the rules. Yeah, I mean, that's just something. I mean, it's with announcers, too. Like, know the rules. Know the rules. Know how it works. Like, did you guys see the video of that uh, appeal play with the White Sox runner who missed home plate? And then the announcers were complaining, oh my gosh, there was a mound visit and then blah, blah, blah. They had all this time before the replay. We'll talk about this on Mike's Stupid Rules next week because now I just brought it up. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I forgot about that. We definitely just talked about that because it's, it's yeah, we, then we hadn't covered that one yet and it's definitely one that we need to go over. Yeah, the, basically the announcers, if you're going to start telling the umpires that doing things wrong, you should know the rules to make sure you don't sound stupid. Because those White Sox announcers sounded really, really, really dumb when they kept repeating the same thing that was really, really wrong. And we'll get into that on next week's episode. So stay tuned for Mike's Stupid Rules there um, for next week's episode. That's actually a really good play, a really good play with some really good rules. Well, thank, thank you, Mike, for enlightening us. And thank you also for calling out the White Sox announcers for being stupid. Now, we also have to take time to make sure we cover our own stupidity uh, and hold ourselves accountable for all the dumb stuff that we say on this podcast as well. So Mike, do we have anything to take off of, off of our uh, list this week in our accountability session? We actually going to have a really, really quick accountability session. You ready? Ready? Stay tuned.
KO down. That's it. There's nothing. Wow. There's no come off the board. We weren't stupid this week. We've got a lot of uh, end of season baseball predictions and start of season football predictions on the board right now. We're in that weird crossover time. So that might be a fairly common theme here over the next three or four weeks until football season starts and baseball season starts to wind down. So should have some quick accountability sessions. But as always, I will start by putting uh, something back up on the board and I couldn't come up with the prediction. So what I'm predicting is that Wyatt will not win the write that down prediction crown this year for either batting average or slugging percentage. He will win neither of the two of them, batting average or slugging percentage. Do we have any current standings? Wyatt has currently had zero predictions come off the board this season, right or wrong. Nothing's come off the board for Wyatt. So, I mean, I don't know. He's won before. We should give it a single so it doesn't affect me later. Ways. Because it could, huh. It's going to get really interesting if me getting this prediction right or wrong is the difference between Wyatt winning or losing. That That's going to get into a little chicken or the egg paradox here. I like that. Interesting. Okay. Um, what do we give this? Uh, <laughs> uh this seems like single or double territory to me right even just simple percentages one in four 25 percent right. that's like double-ish territory unless you think it should be significantly handicapped away from the one out of four because there are four of us i i don't know i think i think we could give this a double just because it adds a little bit more excitement to it does the double land wyatt lose to make wyatt lose or I dig it. That's fine. Double's fine. Double it is. You got anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? I do have uh, do have stuff from Josh this week. Um, he is still alive. He's doing good. Josh predicts that the Brewers will sweep the Cubs in this uh, series that they're playing um, right now. I mean, so the Brewers won game one of that series – um, it was originally scheduled for Monday, but it was rained out and played um, this afternoon. The Brewers already won game one. Game two is live. It's in the first inning, not much to report. Um, game three is being played on Wednesday, and I believe it is a four-game series, is it not? It is. It's a four-game series, with I mean, game four being on Thursday. This prediction seems legit. Um, let's see what 538 has to say. 538 gives the Brewers a 46% chance of winning game two on Tuesday, a 62% chance of winning game three on Wednesday, and a 55% chance of winning game four on Thursday, which is a, um, sorry, math is hard, which is a uh, 15.7% chance. So this is double, triple territory. Double. The Cubs are pretty bad. They did just trade away some of their best players offensively. Yeah. True fact. Yeah. And some there. of their better pitchers as well, bullpen pitchers. So double. 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 Okay. Wyatt, what do you got? Kansas is going to beat Texas this year in football. Mm. Yeah. Does ESPN have any FPI information? Also, is this home or away? For- I will do my best to find this information quick. You know, if we were 
This is the premium experience on the 8311 cast as we go through and find this all live. The game is in uh, Austin. It's at Texas. ESPN's FPI gives Texas a 98.1% chance to win that game. So this is a home run without any other thought, it seems like, right? I would agree with that. I would also, yeah. Something with a 2% chance of happening seems like a home run without much thought. Yep. 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 All right. To make it a little bit harder on you guys, uh, you guys got to figure this one out. Iowa State will beat Iowa this year by exactly three points. No way. It's going to be a blowout. It's going to be like 27 to three. Okay. I mean, that helps me then. Exactly three points. Exactly three points. I feel like calling an exact margin of victory almost has to be a home run, doesn't it? I, I would tend to agree. Yeah, I'll give it to you. Because if I said by three or by at least three points, that's only a triple. That's oh, only a double. Or, or yeah, double. Yeah, I'll give you a home run for that. That seems legit. I, I agree. With two doubles and two home runs, that includes our Write That Down prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 138 of the 8311 cast. Appreciate y'all sticking around. Make sure you tune in next week, but in the meantime, check out our Instagram at 8311cast. Signing off for the 8311 cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to y'all again next week. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones!